hey, am I live? Let me take a look. I'm not going to believe it until I see it. So, hey guys, this is Carlos Phoenix with uh, the Lounge Network and the Georgia Latino Film Festival. We are live, um, and I apologize for being late. I had a little bit of a technical issue where the computer just decided to not turn on. So, um, my apologies. So let me make sure that we are on the right page and all that type of stuff, and we can get on with our show. Uh, today's great show will be uh, with a director who um, actually has directed one of my former guests, uh, Oscar um, Oscar Torre, and uh, he talked highly about him. So I'm like, hey, we we got to get Joe Menendez on. So uh, I want to first. Say hello, everybody. I hope you guys are having a great day, uh, start of the week, and uh, I am. So it's on with the show. So let me show our introduction. So that is a reminder that the Georgia Latina Film Festival is coming next month, uh, September 21st to 24th. Uh, we're going to have lots of great uh, films for you guys to watch, and it's going to be a great event. So I hope you guys will join us. And if you go, if you're on this page, if you look at the top, you'll be able to see that there is a link towards the website, the GeorgiaLatinaFilmFestival.com, and that way you can get more information about our show and the events and activities that'll be happening there. So. Thank you, you guys, for joining. Uh, let's see. I'm going to make sure that we... Uh, and yes, we are live, folks. I'm getting comments already. So let me introduce Joe. Thank you, Joe, for joining me. Of course. My pleasure. Happy and, to be here. Um, so thank you and welcome to my elaborate studio and my elaborate show. <laughs> As you're sitting home. Are you, are you home or are you in your office? No, I'm in a hotel room in Salt Lake City. I'm, I'm here doing a show. It's um, the white walls of the uh, hotel room on the couch here. But, uh, and are you able to say what show we are speaking of? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a show. Uh, it's a show for Disney uh, called Andy Mac, and um, it's uh, it's it's to me, in my estimation, it's one of the best shows they've ever made. Not because I'm working on it, just because it is. Uh, it's a it's a um, it's a family show, uh, and it just sort of shows that, you know, as a TV director, you have to be able to do multiple things and, and work in multiple genres, and, and this certainly is very different from a lot of the other things that I've done in recent, in, in, in recent years. Um, so, but I'm excited to be doing it because it's challenging in its own way. We got, we got Oscar Torre in the house, <laughs> and he's saying Joe Menendez in the house, so very cool. Um, it's good to see you guys getting along. And he's still going along. And, and it's funny, you said Oscar. I've directed Oscar as a former guest of yours. I've directed Isai, who was a former guest of yours. I've also directed Rick Nahara, who was a former guest of yours. So evidently, I get around the block with your guests. You There's know? a connection there. Hmm. Connection for sure. <laughs> there is for sure. Oscar, awesome. Uh, let's, let's go a little bit. Uh, let's tell people, because uh, unlike the other guys who have a tendency of getting in front of camera, you're usually behind the scenes. You're a director, uh, you're producer, yeah. you're award-winning, which congrats. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. So, uh, like, where are you from? Um, you know, what age did you start doing any kind of filmmaking? 
Yeah, I mean, I was born in New York City, uh, raised in Miami, Hialeah, Florida, for those of you who want to get more specific. Um, and um, I've been making movies since I was a little kid. My grandmother, um, who lived in New Jersey at the time, came down to visit us when I was about eight years old, and she brought her old Super 8 movie camera. And um, I was fascinated with the camera, and uh, she eventually let me have it, and I started making movies with my with my brother and my cousins and my friends growing up and um, never stopped. Um, so if, you know, if this filmmaking thing, this directing thing wouldn't have worked out, I honestly don't know what I would have done because this is all I've done my entire life. I've just made movies. I've been a writer, uh, a director, an editor and all that. So uh, I've been very fortunate uh, in that regard, but uh, started just, you know, making the short films in high school and then going into college and was very fortunate that when I moved out to Los Angeles 25 years ago, um, I was showing my stuff around and it led to my, my first professional directing job have, after having done like music videos in Miami and I had done, you know, you know, numerous short films. It led to a show called Real Stories of the Highway Patrol, uh, which was sort of uh, in, in that time when like America's Most Wanted and all these sort of reenactment shows were being made. And um, I was hired to direct reenactment. So they flew me all around the country. I was 25. Uh, directing reenactments, car chases and shootouts. I mean, it was great for you know a young guy to, to do all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, as they say, things sort of snowball, you know, and, um, you know, if you do good work, uh, you know, work begets work. And I just started snowballing. And I um, I went into Telemundo for a number of years, and I did the same kind of show uh, for Telemundo, sort of, you know, reenactments uh, with crimes uh, <laughs> called Blackouts on Telemundo. And then around that time, Sony bought Telemundo, and when they bought Telemundo, they wanted to do sitcoms. They wanted to bring back, they wanted to do sort of American style sitcoms, but do them in Spanish. So they needed uh, writers and directors that were able to sort of bridge the general market and bridge the Spanish speaking market and sort of understood both worlds. And um, because I speak Spanish, I was able to understand both worlds really easily. And so I went from that and I started directing uh, comedies and went into kids TV, uh, did that for a number of years before I, uh, uh, made a couple of features, and uh, the features led to television, and this is what you're watching right now. Uh, uh, something I started doing a few years back called From Dust Till Dawn, uh, which is based on the movie. Awesome. And that's the sort of the short, the quick version of it, but, uh, you know, there's lots of little nuggets of stories in between there, but I wanted to just give your audience sort of the... <laughs> yeah. the, the big scope. So now, the, the, when, uh, <laughs> when you, were, you were young and you were a kid... Um, yeah. You know, like, uh, I'm an illustrator. Um, I started to paint and all that type of stuff. And when I was doing that, my parents at first were like, oh, boy, the art yeah. field. Uh, and I can only imagine that the filmmaking field is similar, yeah. and especially to parents. So what was that like for you when, when you first started? Well, it, it was exactly the same thing. You know, the, the, you know my parents are both immigrants uh, um, from Cuba. And uh, so, you know, they understood, you know, regular jobs, you know, they understood what a mailman was, they understood what a doctor, what a lawyer was, you know, those jobs they understood. Wanting to be a filmmaker, or in your case, being an artist, is something completely foreign to them. And uh, and on top of that, I grew up in the projects. So we grew up very, very poor. Um, you know, government cheese, government peanut butter, all of that. So all that they wanted for me was for me to find a real job that would pay me real money so that they would know that their son wasn't going to suffer like they did so that they, you know, the, the story of every immigrant when, the, when when they arrive is, you know, they come here looking, you know, for a better life and, you know, doing something better for their children. 
Uh, so I, I think there was a worry early on that I was going to, you know, squander all that, that I was going to, you know, I was going to go into the arts and, you know, and then, you know, like, oh, if only he would have become a lawyer. But uh, thankfully, um, you know, like I said, this is, you know, I did that. And, you know, I, I they, they were they didn't get it. They didn't get it. They certainly were like, you know, this is a little bit bizarre. This is a little bit crazy. You know, but, you know, when I would tell them that I wanted, you know, that I love Steven Spielberg and I love, you know, Star Wars and E.T. and Raider to the Lost Ark, I had no idea what that was, you know, and I, they, um, they were supportive. They were, my mother especially was incredibly supportive. And my, you know, my grandparents, my abuelo, uh, who has passed on, but was the, you know, he would buy me little rolls of Super 8 film. And in those days, you know, it's not like now, like on your you know, your cell phones that like you could shoot a movie digitally and you've got hours and hours on this, you know, they would buy a super eight roll of film that lasted three minutes. So you would oh. pop in that cartridge, that super eight cartridge into your camera. And I learned how to edit in the camera because when you're poor, they tell you, this is what we're going to get you. This is all you have. So make your movie in these three minutes. So you, you learn to be very judicious with, you know, with your film <laughs> and, and, you know, you cut in camera and you're like, okay, I don't need anything else. And, it, oddly enough, those same skills still apply to this day. You know, I have more than three minutes now, but that same economy is something that's still, uh, it's still something that I use. And I think that was born back then, you know, and it came out of being poor, frankly, you know. Uh, that's, that's, uh, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Oh, I'm getting a little echo from your speakers. Let me lower it. Sorry. Sorry about that. How's that? I'll still get a little bit. I'm going to put on the Bose headphones then. That's going to be the case. I'm going Bose. I wasn't going to those who are watching uh, while he's putting on his headphones, I want to uh, please say thank you very much for watching. Uh, and I also please uh, beg you for you to share. Why? We really want um, not only this show, but also to promote the Georgia Latino Film Festival. We also want to have Joe have a great expansion of his audience because he's got a great career, a lot of great stories to tell. And I appreciate you guys uh, sharing. Uh, so that we can get more viewers and get really in-depth questions and stuff like that, because we want to be able to make it open for everyone to participate in the show. So, oh, you look fantastic. I'm sure this is exactly what you look like when you're behind that screen and overviewing your directing. <laughs> Essentially, this is me at the monitor, yes. <laughs> okay, great. So uh, I want you to make sure uh, I look at comments and make sure if there's any questions already. Um, uh, okay, Oscar says... He's made great cameras in his films, uh, cameos. As well. So you have shown up on camera. Yes. <laughs> not, not, not because I fancy myself an actor, because Oscar's a real actor. Eastside Morales, that's a real actor. There's tons of real actors out there. So I'm not trying to take roles uh, from anyone, certainly, that, that really, you know, has the craft out. But for me, as a director, um, you know, I've edited. I've run camera. I've, you know, I've, uh, I've done all these other sort of, aspects of filmmaking and you know when i ask an actor to give me something or or to give me an adjustment or i give them a note it's helpful to put myself in their shoes and to understand what they're going through and you know at the end of the day and this is going to sound like i'm pandering but at the end of the day you have to make the actors feel comfortable uh because they're the ones that are, are you know putting on the shoes of these characters and they're the ones that are vulnerable they're putting themselves out there in front of a crew in front of a in, in, in front in knowing that their faces are going to be out there so um i try to really understand what an actor goes through um i feel like i have a small understanding of it but anyway that's why i do it i don't do it because i like to see myself on camera because i don't 
Oh, no, I get that. Uh, so, now you've directed a lot of great actors, a lot of uh, actors that I'm a fan of. Uh, some of the actors that obviously I've spoken to in the previous interviews have spoken very highly of you. Um, uh, what? Uh, so you, you get into the filmmaking process. Uh, what, what was your first directorial debut? Well, I, I started on that on, on that show, Real Stories of the High Patrol. Uh, but in terms of movies, I started making uh, sort of indie movies uh, when I was when I, I made an indie movie in Miami. Uh, but then I, I made it a couple more. But like really the thing that that is, uh, you know, what I feel is the first sort of film that sort of put me on the map was this movie I did for Lionsgate 10 years ago called Ladron, Ladron uh, to Rob a Thief, which the Georgia Latino Film Festival is putting on a 10 year anniversary screening, which I'm very excited about. Awesome. Uh, and so that was really, uh, you know, in terms of movies was, was sort of, uh, a really great sort of showpiece, you know, because, uh, you know, it, it sort of had a lot of the elements that I really enjoyed. It's, you know, it had some action and it had some right. genre elements and comedy. It had heart. Um, you know, but so, so in terms of movies, that was really the thing that, 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 uh, I feel, uh, you know, first put me on the map in terms of movies, but, before that, I had done a, a, a number of Nickelodeon shows uh, in the family space, which, again, is something that I, I never thought about going into. It's not like when I was in Miami growing up that I said, I'm going to go into the family space. I'm going to do shows for family. But it's something that I, that I realize I, I enjoy doing, that I, uh, that I, do, that I do well. Um, um, you know, I keep getting called back, so I suppose <laughs> that, that I do well. But uh, it, it's, That's always it's, a good thing. What, it's always a good thing. It's always a good thing. Uh, so, you know, but at the end of the day, as a director, I think what you want is to be able to just tell stories. And, you know, what, you know, regardless of the genre, uh, the story is a story. And so as a filmmaker, you're using the same language. When I shoot a, uh, an episode of a Disney show or a Nickelodeon show or a Nickelodeon movie, um, I'm using the exact same techniques and craft that I would if I'm doing a show for Sci-Fi Channel or for USA Network uh, it, it, or, or if I'm doing a movie. It's all it's all the same craft. I'm putting together the shows exactly the same way. I'm looking for truth. Uh, I'm looking for uh, uh, authenticity. I'm looking for something that's real, something that's compelling, something that makes me either cry or laugh or, or sit on the edge of my seat. It's all yeah. the same. It's just you know what kinds of stories are you telling? That's 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 the only difference. So tell me a little bit about that. So um, now, do have you written any of these stories, or are they all? You read these stories and you think, I want to be able to direct this. No, well, it, it all depends. In television, you know, you're sort of, you know, you're more of a gun for hire. You know, you, you, you know the difference between film and television is masters. You know, in television, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a writer's medium. So when I'm hired on a television show, the first thing that I want to do is sit down with the showrunner and, you know, sort of USB connect their brain into mine and download how they see the show. And I really want to get into their brain and I want to get their vision of it because then my job at that point is to execute their vision and then, you know, bring my own flourishes, bring my own, my own tastes, my own likes, uh, uh, all that stuff is valid. Um, and then, you know, but in the end I'm serving a writer, whereas in a movie, you know, uh, it's me, uh, you know, it, it, after having done, it's funny, when I did Ladron, I had been doing television for so many years, and there's something in television called the back row. And in the back row, uh, you know, you, you say cut, and the first thing you do is you turn around and look behind you, and the back row, be it the writers, the executives, 
I'll give you comments and notes and all that. Um, in movies, that the background doesn't exist. So mm -hmm. I remember doing this movie, Ladrón, and then I, you know it was day one, and I said cut, and I turned around and there was nobody behind me, and I was like, oh wow, I can just move <laughs> on. All right, all right, cool, you know. So that was uh, so so that's the difference, you know. In movies, you know, they, you know, everybody else wants to download the director's vision. In TV, everyone wants to download the showrunner's vision, including the director. All right, so I'm going to hit the comments. I got Vincent Cortez. Um, he first says, thank you for the uh, George Latino Film Festival and Joe for sharing. Uh, Joe, what are the differences between directing feature and episodic? Well, it's just what I was talking about. I, I think it's, it's, it's the masters you serve. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's you know, again, you're, you know, the first thing that you want to do in a television show. I mean, you're a guest when, you know, so I see it as visiting a, a foreign country every time I go from show to show. So this year alone, for instance, I've, I've run the gamut in terms of genre. So my job is to land, and in this case, I'm in Salt Lake City, uh, is to land, sit down with the showrunner and download how they see the episode. We do a tone meeting, which is we get all the information we find out. I find out what you want, you know, what, if it's a comedy, where the jokes are, if it's drama, where the heart is, uh, what elements are key, what moments are key. Uh, and then, you know, you, you're then, uh, working with a DP who is a constant. The director of photography on an episodic is constant. So even if I, let's say, like, like for me, for instance, I'm a big fan of wider lenses. I like 25 millimeter lenses. The 27 is one of my favorites, but it doesn't matter if I like that lens. If the DP on that show who has already set the look wants to shoot everything on longer lenses. So now my job at that point isn't to argue and say, wait a minute, the 25 millimeter. My job at that point is to then adjust and say, okay, uh, now I have to, I have to come in and, and, you know, shoot this. And once I've got sort of the, the culture now, then, then at that point that I, you know, like for instance, uh, when I did Queen of the South, uh, earlier this year, uh, they liked that show to be very verite, which is sort of handheld, uh, um, you know, what they said to me is, you know, they don't want anything that's super self-aware, um, which means that they want everything to sort of be filmed as if it was happening and we're sort of capturing it as, as it's happening. Like a reality um, show. Yeah, well, no, not like a reality. It's almost like handheld, uh, uh, gritty, nothing super, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, like all this stuff is like like really big close ups. It's all handheld. Yeah, it's all handheld. And so yeah. like there's a sun flare over over her. There's nothing over the other one. That was all shot at the same time. So we had like two or three cameras running, and you know, and so you just sort of get it as it happens. Whereas then a, a show like Twelve Monkeys, uh, you know, is a very very crafted, very very sort of cinematic kind of show. So they want me then to go in there and craft these things as if they're one hour movies, which I love, which is, which is really where, which is really what gets my blood flowing. But in, but in television, uh, you have to, you have to get excited about show to show, um, what it is you're coming in to do and say, okay, this is, this is the, this is the tone of the show. Now that, because once you figure that out, then that's where the excitement begins. Whereas in movies, I set the tone. I set the visual look. If I want to shoot the entire movie in 20, on a 25 millimeter lens, you know, I can. If I want to shoot the whole thing in fast cuts, I can. I set the tone. Whereas in episodic, somebody else has set the tone and I'm just coming in and adapting. Well, me coming from the art field, it's a little bit like, um, 
when I first started drawing, you kind of start looking at, let's say, comic books, like if that's your thing. And you start kind of drawing comic books the way the artist that you're admiring draws yeah. it. And it becomes that signature. It's their signature, but you're, you're drawing their character. As you develop as an artist, you have your own signature, your own look. And so I, to me, that's almost a similar thing. If it's your movie, you get to put your signature look to it. Right. Um, especially that's the it. way you feel how it should look and be represented. Um, examples exactly would be right. like the Matrix where they have tints of color um, to signify certain things. Mm -hmm. Or um, Game of Thrones where it has a particular color tone and, and that becomes a signature to the show. Things of that nature. So, um, Well, you know, like on Game of Thrones, which is, which is one of my all-time favorite shows. Um, you especially know, yesterday. Oh my god, it's amazing! It was amazing. I, no I spoilers, no. Yeah, spoilers. yeah. I'm not saying I'm not saying anything about about the thing where no, I won't do that. Uh, no, um, um, but the directors that are hired on those on those shows go in knowing that they're expected to make either a one hour, in the case of last night's episode, an 80 minute movie. These are this is cinematic television. That's one of the things that on from Dust Till Dawn, for instance, that Robert Rodriguez really stressed. You know, uh, you know, we weren't making one hour episodics, even though we were. What we were making was one hour movies. And, um, you know, he really sort of stressed the, the filmmaking and really, you know, having cinematic language be part of it. You know, he he wasn't asking for, you know, your standard, you know, master over over. He wanted somebody to come in and do something that that had, you know, that had some, you know, some cinematic flourishes to it, you know, uh, which I was very happy to do. Uh, as a director, when your boss is a director uh, and somebody of his caliber and is telling you, bring it. And he's know, also come developed in the look and, already. That's right. And, and by the way, that's exactly right. He set up the look in the pilot and in the, and in the first couple of episodes that he directed. So my going in there, sometimes I would go in there and if I, if I got, Stuck, or I was trying to figure out a scene. I would literally go WWRD. What would Robert do? You know, and uh, you know, and, and I would do that. And it was, you know, but the thing is that Robert never said you have to do it this way. You have to take on my show. He was very encouraging of all of us, of all the directors, to bring our own thing to it. You know, as much as we all wanted for each episode to feel like what he had set up. You know, he was very encouraging him and. And Carlos Cota, who was a showrunner, very encouraging of us as directors to bring it. In fact, I remember Carlos Cota telling me um, that, you know, uh, to be bold, that he would he'll never be mad at us if we were bold about our choices. Even if we even if the choice was out there, if it was bold, he was excited about it. And to and so, you know, as a director, when you work on those kinds of shows and you have showrunners and and producers that are telling you, go do it, do it. It's exciting, and I think the work. I think the work is 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 better for it. You know, when you have showrunners who who hired, you know, they 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 put you through the ringer to hire you. I mean, I think that's the point. They mm. they don't just hire any director because even though I had never directed horror prior to from Dust Till Dawn, you know, I had done some action, I had done some, you know, I did my movies and all that. But I interviewed with Robert three times before I was hired on that show. Well, and and he asked a lot of specific questions. You know, he sent me the outline, then sent me the script, and and asked very specific questions about how I would do it. You know, what my approach would be, and uh, and I was very specific. And and he wanted that. And uh, you know, uh, obviously, uh, you know, you know, he had heard enough to say, okay, yeah, great. I, you know, and in fact, I think that's what he said to me. 
just before he hired me. And he was like, all right, I think I've heard enough. And he's like, that was it. And I was in. He's like, shut up, Joe. You got it, all right? As you can see, I talk a lot. And there was a point no, that he was, because, And I think at some point he was like, got it, got it, all right. You're, you're passionate. I got it, enough. <laughs> um, well, okay, so one thing is I do appreciate you. Um, and, and all the guys that have come on, onto the show, I want to be able to at some point get women on the show too. But, um, I appreciate it cause you know, this is an opportunity here for those who are viewing to get like an inside behind the scenes, uh, look, uh, the, not only the personality of what the directors go through, but also the fact that they're human beings and yeah. they, they spend a lot of passion and time and, and concern and stuff like that. Um, all right. Let's step back a little bit from the food, the movies and stuff and the TV shows that you've done. Um, which I think is, is impressive in the versatility that you're capable of, of demonstrating. Um, Thank you. because, uh, if, if somebody tells me to mimic another artist's work, I'd have a hard time with that. And, and I, I can imagine you having to break your consistencies that you are, you know, the way you think and the way you see things and the way you want to do it. It, how difficult it must be. Now, do you find a difficulty in that? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I would be lying if I said there wasn't. So, but it depends on the shows. When you do a show like 12 Monkeys or From Dusk Till Dawn, easy. Because those shows are already uh, uh, being put together in a language that I understand. It's right in my wheelhouse, you know. And then you do other shows that it takes a little bit more thought. And you have to kind of like say, all right. So, and then, you know, study past episodes and, and, and really sort of, uh, okay, this is what it is. This is what it is. And then you go and you do it. And then as a professional, as a director, um, you know, uh, you know, if you have enough craft and, 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 you know, uh, then, then you should be able to adapt, you know, uh, that, that's the job of a television director. The job of a television director is not to come in and impose your will on a, on a TV series. The job of a television director is, is to come in and, you know, uh, make sure that your episode is great and wonderful, uh, but that it feels like it's part of the overall series. So it all depends on the show. And sometimes it's it's easy. When I say easy, I mean stylistically. Believe me, a show like 12 Monkeys uh, is a very challenging uh, and complex show with lots of moving parts. So in that sense, it's not easy, but easy in the sense that when I see it, I go, oh, I get it. I get the language of the show. I get I get how things are to be said and told. And then there's been other shows that I won't mention. That now, now, in 12, now, in 12 Monkeys, that is a lot of complexity. In a way, it's a little bit like watching, um, oh, my God, never mind, uh, because there's time travel involved. Oh, and yeah. I'm, think, I'm thinking of that other time travel movie that had three parts, and they were shoot it simultaneously and stuff like that. And I, I know in the, t- the tip of my tongue. Back to the Future, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, it's interesting. Back to the Future, Terry Metalis is a huge Back to the Future fan. And in fact, he owns one of the original DeLoreans uh, nice. from, 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 from the movie. And uh, Christopher Lloyd, I didn't get to direct him, unfortunately, but Christopher Lloyd joined the series in season three. And within a number of episodes, uh, I was bummed that I didn't get a chance to direct him, which would have been great. But uh, yeah, so Back to the Future is, I mean, that's one of my all-time favorite movies. I mean, that movie came out when I was 15 years old, uh, and uh, just, I've seen it countless times, countless times. So so for 12 Monkeys, do they have like a, a road map on the, on, the, on the wall to kind of keep track of things? Uh, you would think. No, it was all <laughs> in the mind of, of Terry. 
Terry, wow. the uh, showrunner, had it all in his brain. You know, the dude is amazing. Uh, now, uh, elaborate on showrunner. What, what's a showrunner? So, for people who don't know, he's basically the director of the TV series. So, even though he's not directing the actors, you know, uh, the episode, uh, but but basically, he's uh, keeping. He's he's the one that's in the writers' room. Uh, breaking stories and, and, you know, guiding the direction of each season, then, you know, then he's either A, writing the, you know, a scripter to himself, or he's got a staff and the staff will turn in scripts after they've written them. And then he'll either sign off or give them notes or he'll personally rewrite them. And then once those scripts go to set, then he's sitting behind the monitor, sitting with the director, uh, making sure that his vision that started in the writer's room is being uh, carried out on the floor and on the set. Uh, and then he's there in editing uh, to make sure that the show is edited. So he's basically, he or she is basically the director of the entire TV series. But rather than it being a two-hour movie, it's a 13-hour movie or a 22-hour movie, depending on how many episodes. So in the case of, like, From Dust Till Dawn, uh, Carlos Cotto and Robert Rodriguez were, were, the, were the ones responsible for this 10-hour movie that we did every season. You know, we did three seasons from Dust Till Dawn. So then, so me as the director with the showrunner, it's my job, again, like I said earlier, it's just downloading everything, just getting as much information from, from them so that um, so that when I'm on set, I could speak with, with authority. Because it's not like you're on set and you're directing an actor and you're going, yeah, what do you think? You know, I mean, you're, 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 you're directing now with, with authority because you've downloaded everything. And if you've done your prep work, uh, adequately, then there isn't going to be any delays or any issues on set. I mean, not that there isn't. There's always things that come up, but for the most part, you know, the the show or the movie is is made in the prep, not on the set. Right now, uh, Rick Nahara has joined. Thank you for joining oh, us, Rick. Rick. Um, and of course, he's going to say, and I was going to try and, and imitate him, but I can't. It's very difficult. <laughs> Twelve monkeys is hard because it's time travel. Travel yes. time travel is always hard to do. Yes. And showrunner is the person in command next to network. That's so right. in case the showrunner, um, the showrunner only answers to the network and the studio. That's, that's right. right. Awesome. So uh, let's see. Let's let's get personal. So tell us a little bit about let's say you. Who is Joe Menendez? If someone, uh, let's say a woman, uh, was to meet you. Now, are, are you married? I'm married. Okay, but let's just say you weren't. Fifteen years married. <laughs> let's, let's throw that out. Okay. Uh, a person wants to meet you, get to know you, and stuff like that. Who is Joe Menendez? Heart, mind, uh, soul. I I am at at my. I think we talked about this earlier. I am at my core a big time nerd um, who uh, likes movies and likes you know to see movies and talk about movies and um, uh. You know, I don't have a lot of other interests outside of that, except for uh, I'm, I'm actually a football fan. Uh, so my only sort of guilty pleasure other than making movies, yes, I am a, <laughs> I'm a, I'm a hardcore Miami Dolphins fan. Yes. There's a <laughs> there's an actor I work with who's from Miami, uh, you know, like me, that told me, and he put it in the best possible terms, his name is Gonzalo Menendez, not related to me, said to me that I am in a dysfunctional relationship with the Miami Dolphins. And because every year they break my heart and every year I keep going back to them. They keep asking me back. I go back to them because, you know, I love my dolphins and every year I suffer and I watch the blues. So anyway, that's the only thing that I do that's outside of movies. And I really honestly don't have a lot of 
other interests outside of that. It's it's actually kind of sad. You know, to be honest, I was telling my wife the other day that I that I I need to find some hobbies because I really don't have anything else that I enjoy doing other than I think about movies and television shows, you know, a lot, and I read. I, I read a lot uh, as well. I'm also, you know, uh, like here in the hotel room, I've got two books by my nightstand, simply because, you know, I need to read. I like reading. It, it's not very exciting, man. I wish I could say like, well, let me I'm a snowboarder, but no. snowboarder, I like thrills. I like, no, <laughs> like I'm. So you don't jump out of planes. You don't do anything. I don't like do that. No, 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 no. Well, let me ask you this. So, um, so we we've established that you're a nerdy geeky. I mean, the most social thing you've discussed so far has been the football. Now I'm not yes. a sports guy, so so I don't even have that kind of social activity going on in my yeah. life. Um, exp- tell me a little bit about, let's say, what it is to socialize with Joe, like, um, or, or in Hollywood. You know, let's give us a let's paint a picture. Well, I, I to, it's socializing to me. It, it, here's the other issue that I have that <clears throat> I, I tend to be my my sense of humor tends to be very dark, right? So like, you know, even though right now I'm just sort of sitting here and I'm calm and all that, um, you know. I, I've written a number of things with a with a good friend of mine who's my my writing partner. His name is John Valerio, a funny funny guy. But when we sit down and we're breaking stories, or I'm breaking stories with Carlos Cotto, or I'm breaking stories with whoever, the the stuff that we come up with in the room, and the room, by the way, is a sacred place. So the room, when you're writing or you're breaking stories or you're doing things like that, the room is sacred. So the room is the place where you can say whatever, and you can, and it's some some of the most un-PC, outlandish things that you could ever come up with just to make the other person laugh. And so for me, I tend to gravitate towards buddies and friends who are just as blue as I am and just as un-PC as I am. So I find myself with really, really awful jokes. Uh, that and, and so, you know, I'm not doing it now, obviously, because we're live on Facebook and, and, uh, and I just met you. <laughs> but if you and I were to get together and have a beer, Within like two beers, I would be cracking really crazy, awful jokes. I know it's you know, and and so when I socialize and I let my hair down, like this, like this weekend we're having, you know, barbecue at my house and all that, and a couple of friends are coming over, and all it's going to be is where we almost the rule is that we almost don't talk about movies or TV shows. We enjoy just talking about our families, and I mean, like we'll make fun of our kids, you know, and we'll say things that our kids are doing, and like your kid did that, my kid did. I mean. It really sounds boring. The more I'm saying it, the more I'm saying it out loud. I actually <laughs> suck. What am I? Who am I kidding? I'm boring. You know. Uh, so anyway, but that's what it is. It's just you know, it's it's not you know. And but the, the thing about socializing in Hollywood, uh, you know, like going to events and going to mixers, you know, it's the same kind of thing. I mean, you know, the, the, you know, it's like it, it, you know, you you tend to gravitate towards people who, you know, aren't stuffy. And you know, the the great thing about the entertainment business is that people typically aren't stuffy in this industry. People typically in this industry are, are funny and witty and, and, and like the same kinds of things. So we all joke the same ways. I don't get out as often as I should. And I, I, I regret that. You know, so I, and I say this every year. I'm like, I got to get out more. I got to get out more and get together with people because like, I'll see things on social media. And I'm like, why did I go to that? You know? And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> you know? So do you spend a lot of weekends at home? I do. That's it. Dude, I've had times and uh, that it's been three days and I haven't seen the sun. I just stay in my house. Mm-hmm. Like if I don't have to leave, I'm like, why am I going to leave? But I'm is, you, is your wife in the, that same kind of type of her personality type, or is she a social bug? She's social, so she takes oh. off. She yeah yeah. So uh, it, 
it's the exact it's it's like counter to, to that. So you know, yeah, yeah. So like, so does she drag like, you out to places, or do you just guys just let each other go do your thing? No, she goes and does her thing, and she'll go off with the kid, and they'll do things, and she's like, hey, we're going and getting together, and you know, it's a bunch of it's a bunch of parents and the kids are getting together, and I'm like, have fun, I'll be right here. <laughs> All right. Well, then you'll have to reach out for me, and we can chat. Cause I, I do this. I do a similar thing. I kind of hang out at night, at night and just chill out and twiddle my thumbs. I'm a homebody. I'm a homebody. <laughs> As I'm saying this, I'm now starting to realize I may need help. As I'm saying this out loud to you, it is live, folks. It is live. <laughs> he's anything can he's happen. reaching out, saying, "Please yeah, help." Uh, now, uh, okay, George Latino Film Festival. Would like to ask a little bit more if you want to talk a little bit more about Ladron. Yeah. Uh, give us a little bit of a background as to how that project came to be. Yeah. Uh, Jim McNamara, who used to run Telemundo back in the day, back when I was uh, doing shows for Telemundo, uh, ran Telemundo, actually canceled one of the shows that I was working on. Mm. Uh, we didn't know each other at the time. And then uh, Jim set up a deal with Lionsgate. Him and John Feltheimer, uh, who the CEO of Lionsgate had been friends for a number of years. And so he set up a deal after he left to the Mundo with Lionsgate to make movies in Spanish, uh, but Hollywood movies. And the idea was, you know, Hollywood used to make movies in Spanish. The most famous sort of uh, movie that, that, yeah, that doesn't get talked about as often as it should is uh, Dracula. You know, at the same time that they made the Bela Lugosi Dracula, uh, they shot that during the day. And then like at 6 p.m., the Bela Lugosi crew would quit, and like at 6.30, an entirely new crew and an entirely new cast would come in to the exact same sets, and they shot a Spanish-language version of Dracula on the exact same sets. Uh, so to do a, and, and like that's a movie, by the way, because they were actually, uh, uh, you know, these intense rivalries between them. They would sabotage each other, and uh, <laughs> they, they all hate each other. It's like, like there's a movie in there somewhere. Um, oh, but yeah, anyway, that, that we got to do. Yeah, I'll, I'll, be, I'll do something. I'll do PA. No, no, I've, I've, I, it's been, it's a fascinating story. And people arguably say that the Spanish language version is actually better than the Bela Lugosi version. So, you know, but, but for a number of years, they were trying to make movies. And what was happening was they, 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 uh, they, you know, in Hollywood, they would just say, okay, somebody speaks Spanish. All right, you know, make this person the mom, this person the son. And then they would get like an Argentinian and a Mexican as mother and father and, or, or, or mother and son. And you would say, you know, that doesn't make any sense. I don't, you know, the dialects are different. So they just sort of abandoned that many years ago. And, you know, Spanish language movies sort of were relegated to uh, coming from South America or from Mexico or Spain or whatever. So Jim and Jim McNamara and John Feltheimer decided that they wanted to make American made Spanish language movies. So uh, Jim knew my work. He had seen this uh, indie movie that I had made called Hunting a Band and saw it and said, you know, come in come in and, you know, pitch me some movies. So I came in and I had some movies uh, that I pitched. And uh, and the writer of this movie, this guy, Jojo Hendrickson, had once upon a time uh, pitched me uh, an idea, like at a party, and we were both kind of hammered, uh, you know, un-PC jokes galore. And, we were, uh, and he told me, like, ah, oh, you know, it'd be a great movie if it was a heist pulled off by the people that you never notice, you know, the you know, people that you flip your keys to and have access to highly secure places, you know, the maid, the gardener, the, the valet driver, you know, the, the invisible immigrants. And I was like, oh, my God, that'd be a great heist movie. Nobody would ever suspect that because everyone always disregards these people. They, 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 they uh, um, uh, don't take them seriously. And so he 
when I was in there in, in, in the room with Jim, I couldn't like none of my pitches were really working. And I remembered JoJo's pitch, so I pitched it, and I I, I remembered it wrong, so I pitched a version <laughs> of that movie. And uh, so and in the room, Jim bought it in in the room. And so I called JoJo when I left the meeting, and I was like, "Good news, bad news. The good news is I pitched the drone, and they want to make it. Lionsgate is going to make it." And he's like, great, what's the bad news? The bad news is I pitched it wrong. So here's the new movie that we're making. And I pitched this. <laughs> so that's what it ended up becoming. So, it ended, so the movie is sort of a, a you know, there's a, there's a lot of social commentary, which the movie was made 10 years ago. And it's remarkable that 10 years later, the immigrant thing is still such a, you know, uh, uh, such a, it's like, uh, uh, you know, it's at the forefront of conversation to this day. Uh, by the way, Rick DeHara was in uh, Ladron, Ladron too. Yeah, he just, he part, just made sure he, a, he told us that. On, on but a very, <laughs> a very funny part. He was very funny in, in, in that movie, and I enjoyed working with him tremendously. And I still can't believe that we, uh, that we haven't worked since. Rick, you got to be in something. Uh, but anyway, uh, so, you he know. He was he, a teenager. He, he was. He was a, he, he was a minor. We had a, we had a, he had, like, it was weird because he had to go to school, and he had, like, a 20-minute block of school. It was it was hard, but we got him on set. We only had him for like nine and a half hours. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so so we did the movie, and um, you know, uh, you know, we made it for very little, but it, you know, it was sort of the first movie that sort of said, uh, you know, gee, you know, you can make these sort of American style movies in Spanish, which is which is kind of you know, uh, uh, you know, sort of not what you expect because when you think Spanish language movies, you think. A Mexican movie, or a, or a movie from Spain, or, or South America. The idea of an American movie in Spanish was something that I think to this day is still something that's uh, sort of a peculiar thing. And so, you know, we did the same thing when we did the sequel to this movie, to Ladron, when we did Ladrones, which came out in 2015. And then I did another Spanish language movie that we shot in the Dominican Republic, uh, which I applied the same sort of concept, you know, you know, sort of make it as if it were an American movie, but in the wrong language. <laughs> well, um, I'd love to see like a sci-fi movie done that way. That would be great. I'll do it. You know, we'll, have to, got sci-fi we'll, we'll have to talk after the fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do it, man. Let's start pitching, you know, get a few bears and un-PC conversation and something will come up. <laughs> it's always because of the un-PC conversation. <laughs> always. I'm telling you, that's the, it's the thing that sparks the ideas. I mean, you know, come on, you're sitting in a writer's room. And you're trying to come up with a story, you know. You don't want to sit with a tie and like be stuffy. What you want is you like let it all, you know, just like let your inhibitions down. It just it's it's a safe space, basically. Is what when you're in a room, you know, like if you were to get recorded in one of these writers' room, it'd be horrifying, you know, because like you just the things you say. But it's it's what sort of lubes the creative gears, you know, to be able to just say whatever you and in a trust in, in environment, knowing that nobody. Right. By the way, in these type of environments. You go at each other too. That also happens. You make fun of each other, and uh, you know, and it's all, and 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 you know that while you're in the room, it's all part of the creative process, you know. But you can't help it. Sometimes you'll like. There's a thing that I'm developing now, uh, uh, that that uh, with a partner, and uh, well, like I said, with Carlos Cotto, and um, you know, something that is a story that I told them, <laughs> and. I read his pages a few days later, and the story I told him was in the pages. And I was like, dude, <laughs> that was a personal story. And he's like, write what you know. <laughs> he's like, write what you know, Joe. Write what you know. It's like, all right, all right. It stays in. <laughs> I don't think he gets mad if you, like, <laughs> accuse yeah, him of You something. can't take it out. All right, I won't take it out. It'll stay in. 
That's weird. All right. <laughs> so, all right. So now, um, in these types of conversations, does, is your wife in the room? Uh, sometimes, you know, she normally just checks out. She normally is like, <laughs> really? all right, whatever, you know, yeah, yeah, she doesn't want, you know, there, there's things that she hears. I get a lot of eye rolling. There's a lot really? of eye rolling in my house. My, uh, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of like, and then like my 11 year old has now like overheard a lot of it. So like whenever she drops an F-bomb or whatever, I, I just get to look like, honestly, and I'm like, I bow my head in shame because, you know, she knows those words. Because, and then when I watch football in the house. It's even worse. Are you one of those that stands in front of the TV yelling at it? Yeah. Oof. Yeah, I'm one of those. I know. I know. It's terrible. It's my it's my only like let loose kind of thing, you know. I, I like you know, for three hours, you know, my blood pressure shoots up. I'm like I'm like out of control. I'm like, oh come on. All right, so if you're not able to tell and, and this is getting a little bit personal, if you don't want to you know, we can step back if necessary, but when you're home with the wife and you have whatever home conversations yeah. I'm, I'm imagining now, based on what you've said, that you're tiptoeing around filmmaking because that's the it's like t- coming home from the office. And you don't want to talk about work. No, not really. She, she, she. Uh, you know, she went to USC. Uh, you know, she's a. Uh, you know, she was in the she was in the industry and she was a producer. In fact, she was she produced Love It Own. The film Love It Own. Cool. She was the producer on it. You'll see her name, Ronnie Menendez. Uh, she was a producer on it. Um, she's she's sort of uh, semi-retired now. Uh, for a, a very, you know, which I don't think you have enough time on, on this live broadcast to talk about it, but uh, she's semi-retired now from the industry, but completely understands it. So she's a great sounding board when it comes cool. to all of that. So I absolutely uh, use her to bounce ideas back and forth. Um, but, you know, we, we, we frankly don't talk about the industry that much, frankly, because we're not, it's just, it's, we're just not interested. There's a point that you're just like, we're done, you know, like, you know, I've, I've dealt with, you know, the, the the stuff in the show, and sometimes you just want to sort of check out. And believe me, in my house, there's no like, oh, there's Joe the director. It's like, no, it's Joe. Hey, it's garbage day. Roll the garbage yeah, exactly. down, to, down to the curb, you know. And like, hey, are you are you are you, are you going to hang that picture, or am I going to have to call a handyman? You so know, wait, like, hold on. So you're saying that at home in Hollywood, I'm I'm guessing somewhere around Hollywood in, or in, LA. In you don't have servants left and right. Ew. Well, we we have a woman that. That's how you guys sell it to us. We have a cleaning lady that comes every two weeks. You know, but okay. all right. But other than that, you know. <laughs> but other than that, no, it's it's us. You know. All right. So you and I have been great friends um, for for many, many, many days, and <laughs> <laughs> and we, we did engage in the conversation that I thought was really fascinating. And I, I kind of just wanted to bring it a little bit into this conversation because, you know, you're Latino and I'm Latino. And most some of the conversation about being a Latino is the conversation. Uh, George Latino Film Festival. We're, we're trying to push some Latin flavor into some of the film industry. Which is great. Which is fantastic. Yeah, but, but you said you had a, a slightly different perspective than some of the other people I've interviewed. And now... Well, the only... the only It's not so much a slightly different perspective. I think, I think, I think we all want... Uh, to advocate for each other, and we all want success, and we all we're all thrilled when someone else um, is succeeding. You know, I, I I think I think the 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 thing that I always that I always stress that you know you know because it's look it, it's a it's a hard industry for anybody. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter whether you're Latino, whether you're white, you're black, you're Asian, you know, gay. It doesn't matter. It's a hard business, you know, regardless. Um, but 
what I have noticed in my in my experience is an industry that is very open and 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 wants to find Latinos and minorities uh, in general uh, and women. They they are actively looking for it. I've been a producer on shows where we talk about you know diversity hires all the time, and 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 so it's it, it becomes a question of you know if the industry is actively looking and and in my experience i've seen it i've seen i've seen the conver- I, i've heard the conversations i've been around you know i've been on the other side of it i was a i was an executive producer on a on a disney show uh for three seasons and you know disney and the producers on the show did nothing but talk about you know, we need to get more minorities, we need to get more women. This was not me going, hey, guys, we need more. This was them saying to us and me being in the room, we need to hire more people. Let's look around. Who's available? Who's not available? And they were actively looking at things. And, you know, so what I saw was that when they would say, okay, here's, we just got a, a reel from uh, somebody. And they would watch it, you know, that the reel wasn't strong enough or they felt that the director didn't have enough experience. So when they weren't getting hired, it wasn't because of, you know, somebody purposely trying to keep somebody out. It, it came down to, you know, you know, looking at the work and, and making a judgment call on the work, not on the filmmaker, but on the work, uh, which is a different thing, uh, which is something that I accept. Like when, when I haven't, you know, because I've, you know, I've obviously been very fortunate and blessed uh, to have worked quite a bit, but I've also lost out on, on work. And whenever I've lost out on a job, I never think it has anything to do with my ethnicity. I always, the first thing I do is like, well, what did I do? You know, what did I say? Did I say something stupid? Uh, or then I look at the work and I look at my work and I say, you know, how, how, how does my work measure up to, to the work of others? Because ultimately, you know, someone is, as a director, someone is going to entrust you with millions of dollars to, Direct, you know, to direct a TV show or a movie. So what they want when you sit down in front of them is to put them at ease and give them the confidence that you are going to not only do a phenomenal job and create something that's going to be exceptional, but that you're going to be on time and on budget and that you're not going to freak out and lose your mind on set or, or, or whatever. So oftentimes, you know, you, 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 it comes down to that. It comes down to those types of things. It doesn't come down to... You know, I I, ha- I just haven't seen it in my and I'm just talking strictly from my experience. I'm not saying that that we're not in a place where there aren't enough Latinos or there aren't enough minorities, there aren't enough blacks or gays or women. I absolutely I look at the numbers, I see the DGA numbers, and I see the small when they put out the pie charts and it's like a small little sliver. I mean, I see those things, and I so to me, what is what is puzzling is that in my experience, I see them looking around going. We want more of you guys. Where are more of you, Joe? And I and I always say, there's we're out there. There's tons of us, talented, more talented than me. Don't tell anybody that. That they're more talented. <laughs> than me. But they are. There's more talented than me, and they're out there. Um, and so you know, a, a lot of it, you know, like I was a. I think we, we were talking about that. I was a co-chair for the uh, DGA Latino Committee for a number of years, and um, you know, one of the things that we tried to do when I was a co-chair. That I think they 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 still try to do to this day is the the is is create awareness for the members because what is it the the, the fastest way to constantly work is for people to get to know us 
people to meet us and say, you know, like, oh, my God, I like Joe or I like Juanito or Maria. Uh, and, and how do you do that? By getting in front of people, getting in front of people who are buyers, getting in front of the executive, getting in front of the producers and 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 them seeing like, oh, gee, this person is not only talented, but is cool. And I could be on set with this person for 12 hours or 14 hours a day. Uh, and it really comes down to it. So I, in my experience, though, you know, I, I you know, I, I'm not big on stressing the differences that I have because of my ethnicity with other people. I'm big on stressing the similarities that I have with everybody. And I think once you find that common ground, clearly they look at my last name is Menendez. You know, yeah. I speak Spanish. They, there's no doubts that I'm a Latino. So going into the situation, they already know that that's what I am. So. The, the moment you walk through the door, that part is cast aside. Now it's how do we work together? How do we how how do we make a great show together? You know, I I I I, I talk about Terry Metalis, who uh, is the showrunner on Twelve Monkeys. Uh, you know, I sat down with him and he interviewed me because I had done From Dust Till Dawn, and uh, so obviously when I walked into that room, he knew my last name was Menendez. He knew that I was a Latino. It never came up in the room. Once I sat down with him, that is a given. He understood that part. When I sat down with him, he looked me in the eye, and what he wanted to know in that moment was, am I going to fuck up his show? You know, Am I going to do a great job with his show? And in talking about the show, it helped that I loved the show, and I, I'd actually watched the show prior to going into So I was already a fan. It was the first time that I was hired on a show that I was already a fan of. So that made it easy. But clearly... I'm walking through the room, him already knowing that I'm a Latino. So I, I didn't have to go into that, that room and overemphasize that part of my life because that's a given. It, it's, it's, he already knows. So now what he wants in that moment when I'm sitting down with that person, and not just Terry, but with any executive or any producer, they want to know, okay, you're in the room. I'm sitting down across from you. Why should I hire you? And that's the job. And, it, and that's the job whether you're Latino, whether you're a woman, whether you're gay, whether you're black, it doesn't matter. The job is making the person on the other side of the room comfortable with hiring you. Now, okay, so now I can see the skill set like that in regards to uh, possibly directing, producing, um, you know, maybe some of the crew. What about the actors? Yeah, they have it harder. It's harder. Because if an actor has an accent, let's just say, let's just say that it's a, it's an actor, and I've seen it, and I've seen it, and I have friends. Let's say they're from Puerto Rico or from Mexico, and they have a slight accent. It, it, you're, it's going to be next to impossible unless someone rewrites the part. It's going to be next if the part is written for uh, specifically for an Anglo, and the person has an accent. It's going to be difficult. Um, now that being said, what I people like me, uh, being someone that is sitting on the up on the, on the other side of the table, looking at the headshots, watching an audition, um, I do this all the time. Uh, is if the part doesn't have to be specific to an Anglo, then I say, well, why are we just looking at Anglos? Let's bring everybody in. But it, it, you know what I mean? Like if I'm doing a period piece about 18th century England, well, all right, you know, then at that point... Right, yeah, because you, know, you, know, you hear about that a lot. Yeah. Um, but if I'm doing like a cop drama or a, or a you know, or, or whatever, you know, it's like, you know, and the parts written for, you know, John Miller, you know, I, I think too often people say John Miller and then you get 
you know, a, a, a room full of actors who are great and wonderful, but uh, are all they all sort of are a variation of the same shade. You know what I mean? So my my what I always say to casting directors is bring me everybody. This doesn't have to be anything specific. Bring me everybody. Um, and sometimes, and what that does is subtly, it actually as a director, it's actually better because suddenly it opens up the actors that are available and you absolutely... Right, the talent pool is much bigger. Absolutely. And you end up casting the absolute best actor. Like, if you cast a shitty actor with that kind of talent pool, then something's wrong with you as a, as a director. Because That's like, true. When, you, when you're looking at everybody and you're like, oh, wow. You know, and then, you know, but like, like on, on I, did a, I did a TV movie uh, for Nickelodeon last year, a, a sort of a kid's Indiana Jones called Legends of the Hidden Temple. You showed a clip of it earlier. Yep. Um, that movie, Isabella Monaire, who was in, uh, she's the she's the brunette girl that, that you see there, you know, she, you know, she's Peruvian, she's a Latina, right? So at that point, I'm like, you know, and you know, I, I, I cast the parents as Latinos. We didn't make any, you know, we didn't say this is a Latino family. We didn't make a big deal of it. We just sort of did it, and and that was me going, you know, I think this would be interesting, you know, and and what. I found, going back to what I was saying earlier, there's no resistance, in my experience, from anybody going, no, Joe, no, no, Latinos, no, 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 no. It's like, oh, yeah, great idea. And it happens. The producers on Legends, the executives, you know, this guy, Michael Stamasicia, who's the executive producer on it, uh, I mean, that dude, that, that dude is, you know, if it's a great idea, it goes right in the movie. So there's no, there's no, uh, um, you know, like, mm, I don't know if, our, you know, there's none of that. It's it's so it's just a matter of someone, and this is I think Oscar was saying this when you interviewed him, that what you need is more Latino filmmakers, Latino executives, because you know we're the ones that just kind of go, hey guys, why don't we just try this? And what I find is the moment I just kind of go, hey guys, why don't we try this? Everybody in the room goes, yeah, great idea. There's no fighting it. Like everybody just says it's a great idea. It just means that, but it just it requires people to just sort of think, why not? Well, one of the comments I got here is, uh, is there a lack of Latino actors, directors, or producers? I, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. I think, I think that the, it breaks down, essentially, I think, it breaks down the way that America's broken down. Like, whatever the percentage of Anglos is, is the percentage of Anglos in the movie industry. Whatever the percentage of Latinos, it's, it's all, it's all uh, uh, it all sort of bounces out the same way. Um, I think, I think what, what happens is, uh, you know, uh, you know, it, it's a very difficult industry for whoever. And I know a lot of people who aren't Latino who are struggling and, and you know, not doing what they, you know, dreamt of doing when they were kids um, through no fault of their own. And, and oftentimes it just comes down to, uh, by the way, some people, some filmmakers with fantastic reels or fantastic films, and they just can't catch a break and, and unfortunately there's these there's an element of luck in this industry as, as much as I hate to say that there really is an element of luck and you know like I said earlier you know there's been times that I haven't gotten the gig you know there was a show just a few months ago uh, that I went out on and had a great meeting and uh, you know met the showrunners and I thought it went exceptionally well um, you know and I didn't get the show, and the feedback that I got from the from my agents was that you know the showrunners just had a bunch of directors that they were more comfortable with that that they knew, and I and I didn't take it as like oh they didn't hire me because I'm a Latino. They it was simply because 
they have other directors that they've worked with that they're more comfortable with, other directors that have more hours than I do. But that's a big thing. Like I've got X amount of hours of television, right? I have a good so amount of hours. It's not like an airline pilot. That's exactly right. Right. That's exactly right. It's a great analogy. You know, they they look when it comes down to it's like okay, we got two talented directors. Uh, 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 they go, yeah, but you know, Joe's got X amount of hours, but this person has. This, let's go with this person. It's stupid. It's it's arbitrary because I I know plenty of directors who have a ton of hours and they're terrible. They're terrible directors. But you know, you look at their IMDb page and they got like you know 100 credits. And so if I'm an executive or my, you know the safe choice is to hire the director with more hours. And then but then you get shows that that you know look at the work. I mean I'm sorry, I did a show and I'm not going to mention which show, but I did a show uh, just a few years ago. And I'm sitting at the monitor, and of course I've got the back row that I talked about earlier sitting behind me. And I did this shot, and I lined it up, and and then as I did the shot, I realized like, oh my god, there's a shot in my reel similar to this one. And I so I turned to the back row, and I was like, yeah, I know, guys, this is similar to that shot in my reel that you guys saw. You know, so sorry that I'm repeating it. And they just kind of went, what are you talking about? And I'm like, huh. oh, in my reel. And then they said, oh no, no, we didn't see your reel. And I was oh like, my oh, god. okay. And then I said, oh, so what did you watch, like a movie or an episode? And they said, no, we didn't watch a movie or an episode. I'm like, what did you watch? You know, because you just hired me. They go, no, we just looked at your credits. That was it. <laughs> we looked at your credits, and that was it. So I got, so people get hired off their credits. Like, I've got the website that you can, you know, you've clicked to my, to my website a number of times. And, you know, I've got more stuff on there than anybody needs to know about me, right? Like, even my mother is like, enough. Like, I, okay, I got, I got enough of you. But but my website is there, and it's got so much stuff on it so that as an executive or as a producer, you can look at it, and you can click around, you can watch things, and you can vet me, you know, because I I believe in putting my work up against anybody else's work and then may the you know best director win, and that's fine. And if I lose out to a director because, you know, they felt that director was better, then so be it. I may have my own opinion about it, but at least that's that's I, 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 I can take that, right? Um, it's shocking to me how often people don't watch work in this town, and they just look at credits, which is highly, discourage, highly discouraging for directors that are starting out, because if you've got one piece of tape or film that you want everybody to look so everybody can see, sometimes they won't watch it, or they'll watch like 10 minutes of it, you know, and, and that's the end of it. Now, you know, that being said, there are producers like Terry. I go, I go back to Terry Metalis. Terry watched everything. Robert Rodriguez watched everything. Carlos Cotto watched everything. But these are, these are people who are filmmakers. These are people who, and, and, and of course, I end up you know, really having a great time and respecting this group because they watch the work and they appreciate the work and they appreciate what, as a director, what I what I bring to the table. I don't know if that answers your question, but I no, that's fine. I ramble well, and went. Yeah, I guess I, I probably should have stopped. Yeah, you should. Your <laughs> viewers are like, please stop him. Tell him to stop talking. Uh, all right, two last questions and then um, one. Uh, this, now for this from the audience, who would you like to direct in either movie or TV show? Who, like as an actor, or what kind of? Well, probably uh, actress or actor. Oh God, um, Morgan. I'm not going to hold you to it, but you know. Yeah, but, uh, Morgan Freeman. You know, I, uh, uh, is somebody that I, you know, uh, it's like. Well, you, you better hurry up movie. because you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can't make a bad movie with uh, with Morgan Freeman, uh, but like. But like someone that I, I admire greatly, that who I think is fantastic, is um, Oscar Isaac, uh, uh, who I think is unreal in everything he does. He's so fantastic. So he's someone else that I would love, love an opportunity to work with him. But 
But really, it, it, like my joke was like, you know, somebody asked me something similar the other day, and I said, I, I, I think if I directed a Star Wars movie, I think I'd be done. I think at that point, there's, you know, like, and I you, quit. <laughs> yeah, no, you do a Star Wars. How do you like follow that up? You know, it's like, you know, it's like I'm done. I'm done. Like even J.J. Abrams hasn't made a movie since Force Awakens. You know, it's like do a Star Wars movie. You're like, I'm good. All right, this is this is really what I. You know, I don't become like at that point I'm retired, and I. And it's not fair because he he got to do Star Wars and Star Trek. Yeah, but he, you know, the thing that J.J. Abrams has, you know, that that you know that makes him unique is that he 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 understands how to craft an audience pleasing story better than anybody, and he's in our generation, um, you know. But he is fantastic at understanding the audience and what the audience needs and wants, and how to how to move an audience and how to, you know, engage. It, it, there's, there, it's remarkable. Like, if you really deconstruct the things he's done, you put aside the filmmaking uh, uh, part of it, you know, which is great, too. But if you deconstruct his movies from an audience-pleasing standpoint, your textbook on how it's done and how it works, and, you know, the, he gets the tone just right. And that's the stuff that he does brilliantly, and that's why he's able to reboot the Mission Impossible franchise, the Star Trek franchise, and the Star Wars franchise. Hmm. It's a great gift to have. Well, so, I mean, you kind of killed my next question, but I'll, I'll drop it off anyway. Um, TV show or movie outside of Star Wars, you know, like right now, the, the, I noticed you do a lot of kind of fantasy-ish yeah. products. Um, comics are a big deal nowadays. Yeah. Uh, that's like probably 80% of the film industry right now is comic books. We probably are going through the worst August in film history because there's no comic book characters in the in the yeah. In cinema, and in, in cinema, are there any characters, any comic books, or anything like that, or even a book that you wish you could do? Well, I mean, I, I no, knock on wood. I've been, you know, I've been, I've been talking to, you know, to Marvel about about you know coming over there, and hopefully that'll happen soon. But uh, I would love to do, uh, you know, The Punisher or Daredevil. You know, Daredevil is a fantastic show, and uh, you know, so so to me, you know. You know, those shows are right in my wheelhouse. Those are the kind of, you know, those shows I'm like, I get those shows. Like, Have you I watched Defenders? Them. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not done yet, so don't tell me. Yeah, I'm me too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still working I'm still, on it. Yeah, yeah I'm, still, I'm, still, I'm still binging. But, but, uh, but like, like, those shows are just, like, like I'm, it's, like, perfect. It's, like, it's like, it, it's like it, it hits every point. They're emotional. They're exciting. They're cinematic. Uh, just everything. Everything about those shows is so... That's the, you know, that, that, that to me is, is something that, that, you know, I admire and I admire those shows as a fan. Like as a fan, I like those shows. So as a director, it, I've realized the times that I've done things that I have appreciated as a fan, I think the work is better because now I'm a fanboy making something that I, I enjoy watching, you know, which is right. Great. Now, do you like the way they tone it down in terms of it's not very fantasy? And exaggerated, like let's say the Avengers and that type of stuff. Well, they go opposite of what what DC does on television. DC goes full on uh, comic book and and fantasy, and like if you look at the DC shows uh, and on on the CW and, and, and things like that, and you look at the Marvel shows on Netflix and all that, the Marvel shows tend to be a bit more grounded and grittier. Whereas the DC shows tend to be so, I, I, I you know, more, more fantasy. Right, but you notice the films are a little bit reversed. The, the that, that's weird, right? Yeah. Marvel, Marvel, Marvel takes a little bit of a funny step to it. Yeah. And yeah. DC takes the dark, kind of gritty side. Not and having yet when they do it, it on television, it's the reverse. Yeah, not having 
talk to anybody over there about this specifically, but my suspicion is that it's by design. My suspicion. Oh, is it is. That, They've admitted it. That, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, uh, but so, so I appreciate it. I mean, but to me, you know, it's funny because you know, speaking of Oscar, uh, uh, you know, we talk about this all the time. That I, you know, that I, I think there's a part of him that wishes that I was into more indie stuff, you know, and more like you know, gritty stuff and all that. And uh, you know, and I'm always like, yeah, man, Transformers, man. Did you see it? And he's like, oh god, stop. You know, I like. Well, it I mean, I'm still waiting for you know. <laughs> like a Latin superhero, um, and, 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 and it obviously it doesn't have to be like a guy with a, a Mexican suit type of thing. Um, yeah, the, yeah. the only one I can think of is the funny one with Jack Black, where he's a lucha libre superhero yeah, lucha libre. kind of guy. Yeah, they, the well, they, they, there, there are characters like there's a there's a Spider Man. Now I'm drawing a blank on his name, but there's a there's a uh, shoot uh, Morales. I can't remember his name, but there's a Spider Man character that they that. In the comics, that uh, uh, that he could assume the Spider-Man outfit at some point, uh, and then uh, on the on the Marvel, you know, the, on, a, on the TV side, there's a, a, a thing called Slingshot that you know has right. Latina in it. You know, so you know there there are you know there 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 are it, it is going to happen. I think I think it's absolutely going to happen. But I think I think the way to do it is that you know it's kind of like Luke Cage. What's cool about Luke Cage? Is that you know he's clearly a black superhero, uh, and it's you know and 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 but they do a good job of making it organic so that you know it's it's you know the setting is what makes it real, but it's still a superhero show, and I think that's the way you're going to see it happen uh, with the Latino characters. It's it's going to be you know you're not going to get naturally you know or whatever you're not going to get those kind of things. You're going to get something that's grounded and, and real and. All right. Well, I don't want to turn this into a we're sitting in the living room totally conversation because we'll just go forever. Um, I want to thank yeah, you. It seems that way. <laughs> I know. And we can. We can go on forever. But um, we are uh, beyond an hour. I, I appreciate so much of your time. And, uh, you know, perhaps we can definitely do it again. Uh, I want to thank everybody who's been watching. Uh, I want to be able to say uh, I, I, I'm glad you guys have shared. I hope you guys have uh, enjoyed some of this conversation, uh, getting a little bit of behind the scenes of Joe Menendez and his um, film history and his TV history, as well as just, you know, what everyday life is like, uh, even though he's just chilling out on the weekends at home. <laughs> but um, so thank you, everybody. Uh, please check out the George Latino Film Festival webpage, uh, which is um, located here on this page that you're watching the show on. And it's a G-A-L-F-F dot uh, org or the George Latino Film Festival dot com. And um, we're going to continue to have more interviews, uh, more insights, uh, more Latino uh, culture and talk and, and uh, expose you guys to some of that. Because you probably are watching some of this content. It's right under your eyes. I'm a fan of a bunch of the shows that he's directed. And I appreciate him spending an hour or so with me. But that's it. I'm going to kill it at that. Uh, let's just wave goodbye. Now, uh, would you like people to follow you on any of your social media? Uh, sure. I'm on Facebook. Uh, just Joe Menendez. You'll see my mug uh, on Facebook. Uh, and then uh, JoeBenendez.com has, like I said, more things about me than you'll ever need to know. <laughs> no, I understand you're coming to Atlanta. Uh, I yes. think uh, Isai is also, and I think Rick Nahara might as well. So um, we're all hopefully going to see each other. We'll probably live stream some of these events. 
and you oh, guys yeah. will get to see each other on first in person. So thank you everyone once again. Have a great night. Thank you, man. I'll see you.